The Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Cody, you've seen Serenity, right? I have not. I you, haven't seen you, Firefly or Serenity. Wait, you haven't seen Firefly or Serenity? No, I've tried to watch the Firefly pilot probably five or six times, and I always just end up going, ugh, this is so boring, and turn it off. Oh, really? Wow, man. I've heard it gets a lot better after the pilot, but I just had to struggle with it. I, I really like the series, and I, I, I really do like Serenity. Um, it is pretty much um, something I'm totally sick of hearing about now, though, online, because uh, there are so many people that insist that Firefly was the greatest show of all time. And mm-hmm. uh, and lament its cancellation as though it just happened, even though it's been off the air for something like 14 years. Um, and Serenity came out, I believe, 11 years ago. So it's it's something that's that's very very much faded into the uh, into the pop culture past, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I still enjoy it, but uh, but it's time to let it go, brown coats. It's time to let it go. Uh, that said, stop on by the Serenity movie party. Alamo Drafthouse, Westlakes, Sunday, November 13th at 645. This is a movie party, so you got props. You're going to get a cap gun to shoot at the Reavers. Little Serenity ships for everybody to fly around in the air like a, quote, leaf on the wind. And tissues for every time Joss Whedon kills a character that somebody loves. That's where that reputation, I think, was really built, uh, really set in stone, was that Joss Whedon is going to kill someone you like uh, with Serenity. I remember uh, being really excited for Serenity when it was released, and a, f- a friend of mine and I went and saw it. Um, you know, we were fans of Firefly. We both had worked at the uh, the Fox station there in San Antonio when uh, uh, Firefly premiered, mm-hmm. and we watched the pilot early and everything. And uh, we went to see Serenity, thinking like, "Oh man, it's going to be packed." And there were maybe maybe the theater was a quarter full. <laughs> Oh wow! So I, I'm I'm curious how it would fare today. Like if it came out, say, say it it had been released instead of in 2005 in like 2011 or something, right in the thick of like all this superhero stuff coming back and 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 people really re embracing things. If it had done better, because it it really just kind of came and went with no fanfare at all. But uh. You know that's how Nathan Fillion still gets work, and that's how everybody, why everybody still thinks Nathan Fillion should be cast as every superhero, even though he's way too old looking. And I'm sure he's a great guy, but he has jowls now. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, didn't keep people get their fix in Castle, which was apparently a show that existed for a while. <laughs> I I knew people, and um, well, I guess I still know the people that would watch when that show was on watched it just because of their love for Nathan Fillion, like Firefly related. Like it, it seemed inoffensive enough. It was kind of like, uh, like, like just a procedural, I think, you know, it wasn't, yeah. I mean, it was like a, it was on what TNT. No, it was on ABC. It was a network show. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Jesus Uh, Christ. And I, I believe it's, I believe it ended its run last year. But you know Nathan Fillion was such a charming actor. I guess still is. Uh, you you know my reference point for Nathan Fillion. What? It's the weird. It's the weirdest one. It's um from the Blast from the Past, <laughs> the Brendan Fraser movie. Oh, God, I never <laughs> I never even saw that with Alicia Silverstone's in that, right? Yeah, and Christopher Walken. And um, the, like he's raised under. It's kind of the. He's raised in a bomb shelter. Yeah, like uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, that's where that's what that that's what inspired that show. Yeah, that's that is my reference point for Nathan Fillion because he plays like the 
ex-boyfriend of Alicia Silverstone. And he plays just like a dick character. Well, he was uh, – he's supposed to – he's got some secret cameo supposedly in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Like there's there's photos of, of a movie theater playing a Wonder Man movie starring him because him mm. and he and James Gunn are old friends. Uh, Guess it's not much of a uh, secret anymore. But well, I, I don't I don't know what the nobody knows what that exactly is supposed to be. Uh, Wonder Man is a is another Marvel hero that is stupid and lame, but you know, looking to be reclaimed. Ironically, I guess. Mm. Um, but uh, he was in uh, Slither. I yeah, think it was James Gunn's first feature film, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's correct. Anyway, so uh, you can go see Serenity. It's a Serenity movie party at Alamo Drafthouse Westlake's Sunday, November 13th. That's next Sunday, 6.45 p.m. You can find tickets at drafthouse.com. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the Internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many. To produce a relatively listenable podcast, devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Okay, no. They're puppets. No, and <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is gonna... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how a he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 91 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I am Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viafania. So, it's been a while since we wrapped at you. It's been a it's been a weird few weeks with uh, screenings kind of being offset and weird and not lining up, but we're back. And we're better than ever. We've done some stuff in the past uh, past couple weeks. Um, right now we're on the precipice of election day, mm-hmm. so um, you know there's all that going on in the world. Um, are you uh, are you planning on? Uh, Watching any coverage of the news that night, Cody? Or are you going to be? You know, here? I'm I'm a bit intrigued by the live Stephen Colbert thing. Yeah, but only I mean only only if he's in character because if he's not, I just don't care what like Stephen Colbert the person has to say about the election personally. But well, he started um, if, to, he started to creep toward a happy medium. I think. Um, yeah. he did until he got like. Uh, what almost sued by Viacom or whatever. Did he ever come back to that? No, no, no. Well, I mean, he's, he's started to do a little more political comedy. He, no, I mean, he's been doing political commentary since day one, but I think he's, it's had a little bit more bite to it. Oh yeah. I don't did. Well, I don't know if he'll be in the characters. Does Showtime own Viacom or is that CBS? Um, I'm sorry. Does I Viacom, I mean the other way around. Is it Viacom? I, I think Showtime? they're all Viacom. No, cause it's separate now. Because I mean, Showtime and CBS are connected. I don't know if Viacom's part of that. But. There's a weird, there's a weird uh, split in that. It's kind of like how Paramount owns like Star Trek movies, and CBS Television owns Star Trek, Trek. Television. Yeah, anyway, I don't, I, I don't know. I, uh, I'll be at work all night that long, that night. Hopefully, not televising the revolution, but 
We'll see. I, I would like to see that Stephen Colbert thing. I'll probably have to DVR it. I don't think the TV at my desk gets Showtime, is what I'm saying. And you thought that it was being simulcasted on CBS. Is that not happening? I it can't don't, be happening. I don't. Right? No, I don't believe so. Uh, CBS will most likely be in news coverage. I do wonder if he'll go more blue with it since he's on Showtime. I would hope so, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just can't. I cannot get a grip on what he is doing. You know, with his with that whole thing, um, because once election is over, uh, the election coverage is over. He goes back to being just any other late night host, which is just like sincere Stephen Colbert is not exactly the reason why people like Stephen Colbert. And in fact, it's not the reason they like him. So, you know, uh, political. I'm I'm not sure where I stand right now in political, uh, political comedy. I mean, I, I my top my top choice right now is John Oliver, of course. Right. But I feel like sometimes the show misses the mark a little bit. I actually haven't watched last week tonight in a while. Um, but the sense that I got from it was that it, it it goes to a certain point and then kind of like pulls its punches a little bit. Well, I, I think that it, the long form pieces they do are usually really well done, but I think that, that any long form piece during election season, that's not about politics is kind of wasted time. Um, because it's just not where the, I mean, they do some, some incredible long form research, you know, stories. Uh, the one a few weeks ago about uh, prescription drugs was, uh, or was it opioids? Something like that. That was really well done, but it lacks a little bite because it's not talking about the, you know, the election, which he usually opens the show with, but it's, it's a weird, it's a weird balance for me. Like if, if, if I want my political, I want my political comedy to be topical and, you know, when it's not about what the hell is happening right now, then then it's a little gets a little stale to me, and that's another problem I have with the uh, the Samantha B show. I love that show, but the the scheduling of it is so fucked up. Like it'll be off for like three weeks and then come back, and then like for two weeks in a row, and then go off for two weeks again. Like it's just it's not it's confusing to me. And then like I I rarely watch Colbert at all if I do. Um, most of my time is devoted to to Conan if if I'm watching late night at all. Yeah, I agree. But uh yeah, I'm looking forward to to this fucking thing being over, frankly. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I'm just tired of hearing about it. Yeah, fatigue is set in. Um Like even like you know, you know that fatigue set in when like the SNL stuff with Alec Baldwin and Kate McKinnon went from brilliant to just being just overdone in like a week's time like literally week to week it got just stale did you, you know? did you watch last night's episode with- I, I saw the thing the cold the, open they yeah, did yeah where they just kind of gave up and went outside and hugged people yeah. in Times square yeah um <laughs> yeah then it's my birthday and two days after election day so i can who gives a shit yeah happy birthday to me <laughs> you're gonna be like 40 yeah i'm gonna be 38 God damn. Which is like, oh God, fucking bullshit age. God, you're a whole, you're a whole 10 years older than me. I know. That's why I try to give you so much advice. <laughs> like, okay, Uncle Jared. <laughs> Listen up, Cody. I've been there. Don't buy that flat file for your posters. Oh man. Speaking of, uh, we got to go to MondoCon a couple weeks ago. 
Um, thanks to the, the folks at Fonz PR for, uh, for letting us in. Um, that was MondoCon 3 here in Austin. If you don't know what MondoCon is, tell them, Cody. I, I, you totally cut out. I, I just heard tell them, Cody, and I'm like, what? Oh, I'm talking about MondoCon. Tell them what MondoCon is. Oh, so MondoCon is a uh, convention, um, a two-day convention for um, fans of – we've talked about it many times on this show – limited edition uh, artwork. Um, you know, it's it's a blend between what you would call fan art and then licensed art. Um, you know, some of it is, is made through Mondo as official releases, and then a lot of artists come there with extra copies of their private commissions um, and, and various other things. And really, you just kind of walk around and um, check out um, art and, and spend lots of money for your favorite artists. Um, and then they have things like screenings that go along with it. They have toys, vinyl, uh, lots of vinyl this year, actually. Um, and just all kinds of really cool stuff that makes you feel like a big nerd. It's uh, it's they're mostly movie posters, mostly movie and 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 some TV related, but a lot of uh, alternative movie posters. And we got to watch a documentary on this uh, right before we went to MondoCon. Maybe we should have reviewed that too. But uh, twenty four by thirty six, the uh, the documentary about movie posters, the alternative movie poster scene. Yeah, I think we'll definitely review it and maybe even talk to the director when we get a little bit closer to its official release. But we did watch that, and it's a really great glimpse into the culture and i think it does a really good job of 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 showing kind of like the the um the way that sort of movie posters used to be the the king of promotion for film um and then they kind of fell out of favor and you you started seeing the photoshop floating head um matthew mcconaughey back to back with co-star which is amazingly <laughs> displayed inside the movie which i just love so much yeah um i i one of my uh my favorites uh in the film is the uh um, the the progression of like, uh, well, like you said, going from like these these beautiful works of art, something. Uh, who was it? Was it Drew Struzan who uh, was commissioned by uh, Guillermo del Toro to do the poster for Hellboy? I believe it was I think Drew Struzan. In, in that in the documentary, and uh, Guillermo del Toro is so excited, and he's like, "I'm gonna. This is gonna be the poster." And someone tells him, "Like, oh no, you don't get to choose that." <laughs> right. Like just for how it goes from this like this artisan this this something that's like a, a an amazing craft and then they're like oh no we're just gonna Photoshop this thing together. I think the, uh, my my favorite personal favorite part was watching that focus group with Matt Ryan Tobin um, when they had like a regular art poster art and then they had one that Tobin had designed. Yeah, and they were just they were it was a focus group on which one would you rather see and it was amazing how much people thought that the hand-drawn thing was going to be a cartoon movie. I was kind of blown away by that. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it does make, it did make a good point um, for certain films. The art while amazing may have slightly misrepresented things. Uh, like they, I think they highlight the Goonies poster uh, where they're all kind of hanging from a, I don't know. I can't remember what it is, a helicopter or something. Or a ladder. I think it's off a cliff, isn't it? Or isn't something? A cliff? I can't remember. I, I've seen the poster a million times, but. Let me look it up. Uh, but it may have slightly misrepresented the uh, what was in there, and it, that was a pretty famous thing too. And I can't remember if the if the uh, yeah, it's hanging off a cliff. That's what it is. Uh, like they're hanging on to stalactites. Or, yeah, no stalact stalactites. Sorry. <laughs> I think I think that is a good point. They they are slightly misrepresented, but also I think that people see the hand drawn stuff. 
and they instantly think that that's the visual represent, representation of what you actually see in the movie because they're so used to seeing either screenshots or press photos yeah. on their posters that when there's something hand-drawn or, um, or, or sort of uh, really detailed or like that, they're like, oh, we're seeing an animated movie. And it's like, well, no, I don't know why you think that, but um, – <laughs> It's a really, it's a really, it was a really interesting movie that I think sheds a sheds the light on why we're so into this stuff. And then MondoCon is just an extension of actually being there and being surrounded by people who are into this, the same weird stuff that you are in that sense. And um, it was crazy. It was. <laughs> I've been to was, a yeah. I've been to a lot of comic cons, and uh, this is our second MondoCon I've been to, and. The people at MondoCon, it's a way smaller con, you know, and it's only selling prints, essentially, and vinyl. But the rabid obsession is way, way higher. I mean, yeah. there are people lined up overnight to get these prints. For days. Yeah, to get these prints. Um, you know, there are people like you that make arrangements with people that are waiting in line to get a print mm-hmm. because you yep. didn't want to wait in line. Um, okay. There are prints there that that – Go that are insanely limited and highly sought after that go for 200 bucks a piece and they sell out immediately. Um, yep. Like the exorcist print you bought. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a thing that happens. <laughs> and then, uh, then there's the gems that you can stumble across that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um, like that also happened to me. <laughs> that also happened to you with a, with an American beauty print. Yeah. That I think uh, you and I walked it was Matt, Matt, uh, Ryan Tobin. Yeah, uh, his table. I bought. He, did you buy the Groundhog Day print also? No, I, I bought the black. I bought his black swan print. Oh yeah, you I, bought yeah. Groundhog Day. That was an, that was a gig po- more of a gig poster, movie poster. Yeah, right? and so the thing you you have you learn about con, or uh, or MondoCon as you walk around is that these artists are filtering in and out prints all day. So you could walk by and see a, a wall full of prints, and then you could walk by an hour later, and there's entirely new stuff up. So. <laughs> Which is what happened to you with the uh, American Beauty print. Yeah, so uh, we I went to Matt Ryan's Tobin first thing in the morning because I had been wanting that black swan print for a long time now. And so I bought it from him. He's one, he's probably my favorite artist right now. Um, and then we came back around after doing the rounds down at the other place. And I saw this American Beauty print that I had never seen before. And, you know, when you get to the level that, that Jared and I are at, um, <laughs> where, like, nothing slips by us anymore. We see everything, and I had never seen this before. And I was like, how, like I talked to him a little bit about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I actually." He said, "I did this like a year ago, and they just printed them, and this was the first time he had ever bought, uh, brought this um, print to any convention or event or anything like that." And he was talking with the guy there who was helping him, and he was like, "Yeah, I should have brought more of these." And that was apparent when I posted the picture on one of the places that we go to talk about this stuff and everyone was like never seen this before ever. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like I had, I had a really good find in terms of just being <laughs> in the right place at the right time. Well, we had also uh, attended the night before the gallery opening at Mondo uh, gallery for, uh, the home, uh, show with, uh, art by Jason Edmiston and Ken Taylor. And I, I was pointing out to you, um, just the, the fun fact about this hobby is that, the people that are the celebrities at this at this stuff at the gallery openings and the con, they look just like everybody else that's in attendance. Yeah, you know, well, it's and, just and here's, yeah. And here's where I knew I had a problem <laughs> because 
I was walking around that gallery and I was able to like point out artists like, Oh, there's Kevin Tong. Oh, there's, uh, you know, there's, uh, Laurent Dorio. To the Never. Belgian artist. Yeah. The, the Belgian. I don't know. I think, I think you, I think it's Laurent Duro. Yeah. Laurent Duro and his, and his twin brother, which was weird. Jack. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, so, you, so like I started being able to point out these artists or like seeing JC Richard in the parking lot. Um, that guy was a up. super nice dude. Oh, he's way. awesome. He's really cool. I, I bought, I bought his sleepy hollow print and got smoked on another print that I waited too long on by a friend of ours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all really nice. Like Matt Ryan Tobin was super nice too. Like he was, we were joking about that at the convention. His, um, his square wasn't working cause he's Canadian and um his swiper wasn't working so uh because it was from canada and so we had to paypal him from the app on our phones not a huge problem at all but him being the canadian that he is it was just oh sorry sorry oh i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah um so i mean there's there's a lot of obsession there there's some stuff there that that i think is priced way too high some of the people i won't name names but there are a couple artists there who put their shit way too high. Yeah, but uh, but I, I think I don't think there's anything other than the one that that I missed out from J.C. Richard, which was an Empire Strikes Back print that that our friend Brian snagged um, while I dilly dallied on it. But uh, I don't think there's anything there that I di- walked away from that I didn't wa- that I d- didn't buy. Or whatever I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say that I that I regret not buying? Um, yeah, and I still I, spent I way agree. too much money. I would agree with that. I think I left with uh, three prints. To- no, uh, four maybe. I got the Black Swan Tobin. I got the American Beauty Tobin, and then I got the Martian print from Oliver Barrett. You were and you I- were really hard onto that Martian print. Oh, I love it. I think it's amazing. It's a great print for a, for for a good movie. Yeah. Uh, so. So, you know, if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, um, you can take a look at uh, MondoTees.com. Um, that's where most of this stuff comes from. Uh, you know, there are, of course, a few things that don't. This is kind of the uh, the alternative movie poster scene, as it were. And it's it's got such a rabid fan base. I've never delved so, yeah. so far into a hobby, a collectible hobby that's that's as rabid as this one. And just ravenous for product. I was I was genuinely stunned by how many people were there, and not just there, just walking around, but like carrying tubes on straps, and like the people, the hardcore fan base behind this, and the people who travel for it, and the people who will go to these mystery screenings where they'll drop sixty or seventy bucks to see, to watch a movie and then get a print that they've never seen before. Um, including a, an infamous mystery screening. <laughs> that was actually kind of funny to see how that panned out. But uh, Yeah, so the, the screenings this time around were The Fountain, um, the Hugh Jackman, uh, who was the director on that? What's his name? I forget. Darren uh, Aronofsky. No. It is Aronofsky. It was Aronofsky, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. Um, and then there was one for uh, A Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, yes. And the mystery screening... Um, which everybody was coveting was The Witch, a movie that I haven't seen. That I uh, it was a relatively new movie for something like this. Yeah, because um, last and it was, yeah, it was from Aaron Horky, which is one of the most sought after um, 
last I year I feel was a little more mainstream in the movie selection because there was Batman was one of the screenings. That was a screening I went to. There was the Goonies, and there was another I can't remember. But anyways, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a way to drop a lot of cash really quickly. Um, Dude, we both had the same budget, and I just I just steamrolled my budget. You did. I, I stayed within mine. Oh, and I won. A, I I ended up winning a a vinyl that second day too that you weren't there. Oh yeah. From did uh, you have you listened to that? It's really great. I That's haven't. Fine. I won the uh, soundtrack to uh, Swiss Army Man. Um, I haven't listened to it yet. I, I need to watch the movie first, and I still haven't watched the movie, so I need to get on that. Um, speaking of uh, of uh, well, we aren't speaking of stuff, but moving on to uh, something else, we did. Um, we saw the last Rift Tracks live show of 2016 that that was funded by their Kickstarter. Uh, Carnival of Souls, their Halloween show. Um, thanks to our friends at Fathom Events, we got to see this. Uh, you saw this, the live show. I saw this on the Halloween, uh, on mm-hmm. actual Halloween. Um, d- had you ever seen Carnival of Souls before? I had not, no. And uh, you, I remember you mentioning before that it had a, a, a kind of good reputation. I don't really see why. I don't I don't either but man it's got like a criterion it's got like really high ratings uh and, and reviews and stuff like that. I think maybe it, it's a time frame type thing. I don't know. It's not a good movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. It feels like a lot of the old stuff that I used to, you know, that uh, they covered on stuff like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm I'm watching a commercial for a Taco Bueno 99 cent taco burger. <laughs> Do you, do you have a Taco Bueno in San Antonio? No, there's not one until you get out to like New Braunfels. Mm. Yeah, so there, I've, never, there, I've never had it before, but I don't. I, a Taco Burger just is. I did long. have the uh, when last uh, <laughs> when we were in L.A. Uh, back in August, watching the Fuller House taping. Um, the only thing that was open near our hotel when we got done was a Burger King, and I did have the Whopperito. Oh, how was that? It was fine. It was very oniony. But it was fine. And I, 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 this is super off topic, but um, <laughs> but like, I, we, you, they were recently showing Idiocracy for the ten year anniversary, right? Isn't it kind of crazy how Mike Judge's view of Carl's Jr. kind of like came to life a bit? Uh, remind me, because I'm thinking of Fuddruckers the whole time. Well, like you're saying Carl's like Jr. The, like the the Carl's Jr. It was like the computer that you went to for Carl's Jr. Oh yes, 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 yes. And it was like the extra big ass fries yeah. and stuff. I love Carl's. And Jr. And then the Carl's the the the, the, lo, the slogan for Carl's Jr. Fuck. in the movie is "Fuck you, I'm eating." Yeah. I loved the I loved the casual uh, progression over the years of Fuddruckers to buttfuckers. That's my <laughs> yeah. favorite joke. Uh, I need to rewatch that movie. I haven't seen it since it came out. I haven't seen it in a few years. I that's I was getting. Fuddruckers and the Carl's Jr. thing like mixed in my head because they're both burger. Yeah, places. I think the, I think Fuddruckers was just a visual joke. Yeah, there's not a there's not a Carl's Jr. close to close enough to my house, but I love Carl's Jr. Oh, you know <laughs> that reminds me. Speak. I went to uh, I was in San Antonio last weekend, and as I was driving back, I uh, I wanted Carl's Jr. and there's one in San Marcos. Mm-hmm. So I stopped there. I knew it was, there was one there, and I stopped there and pu- uh, pulled in. And it was like six o'clock on a Sunday night, and I pulled up to the door, 
and it had a sign on the door that said closed due to short staff. It's like, what the fuck? What? Like how, what do they need? Like who owns this thing? They can just close and that's okay. Like that's so weird. Like, isn't there a manager that covers that stuff? If it happens, like you just, you're losing money. Yeah. That's super weird. Um, yeah. At any rate, I didn't eat Carl's Jr. that night. I had my first Zaxby's ex- experience the other day. Oh, I was going to ask you where that was. Were you in San Marcos? Yeah. What you? What you? You? I, I told you it's bullshit that they don't give you the drink and the combo price. Right, but they did for me. Well, they must have a new combo thing because it was uh, it was uh, chicken strips or tenders, however you prefer it. Uh, coleslaw, fries, and a drink and toast. For seven ninety nine. I told you coleslaw is garbage. Well, it's fucking it's trash. Like it's literally the thing I throw away. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. You gave me some You're trash. Like, vegetables, well, it's if it were if it tasted better, sure. I've had good coleslaw. There's uh there's places there's a place in if you ever go to uh go to uh Universal City in you know near San Antonio, there's a place called Four Kings. They make some great mm. coleslaw. Uh, I might be I, sl- I might be I might be related by by blood to some of the people that own it, but look, I I I'm not, and I can vouch that place is great. Oh, you've been to Four Kings? I didn't know that. I've been several. T- I haven't been in a couple of years, but I've been several times a few years back, and I everything I ever had there was great. Oh, it's all awesome food. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that I, yeah, like their their chicken and dumplings is just shit. Oh, dude, I've never had that. Oh, really? Oh man. Well, because it that, sells that, out quick. They that that's their. That's yeah. It always sells out quick. Their best thing though is their is their pretzel rolls though. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the one of the the owners is my my dad's cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark is his name, and he uh, he was practicing breaking baking bread once, and he well a few times I've been there, and he'll come and give me a sample. He's like, I'm trying this out. And the, the woman they always have like f- like fresh homemade desserts dude, every day. Those fucking desserts are the bomb. Yeah. That's same. I, I had the they like some of the best the best thing I've ever had they had like a berry cheesecake once that was just amazing. They made uh I had a blondie or something. That's mm-hmm. what they're called, right? Those brownies that are kind of yeah, tan. God, wait, wait, wait. so <laughs> Carnival of Souls. <laughs> Carnival of Souls. Go to Four Kings, they're great. Um Carnival of Souls, um I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um you know, it's it's a different sort of movie, different sort of vibe. Um did you? Uh, what I can't remember what the short was before. Uh, there were oh two, the the, yeah. the masks the masks yeah, the like masks that was a fucking grass or whatever. Yeah. And then there was one with uh, another like hygiene one, right? With mm. like a bubble bath. That girl was in a bubble. Oh, bath. Oh, she was bu- giving a witch a bubble bath. That was yeah. fucking weird, and it didn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, I I I, lo- I still love these Rift Tracks live shows. Uh, it was my first time not seeing one live, which was a little odd to me. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it's I, it's kind of the same experience, but this was actually my least favorite riff tracks they've done. I don't. I don't know if maybe it was because the the movie was just like maybe not a great fit. I don't know. I mean, I think the best stuff in the movie was the stuff with like the weird neighbor. Um, oh yeah, I think that's where they got most of their good stuff from. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was still funny. I still found myself laughing a lot, but I, I thought it was. It was my least favorite of the ones I've seen, but still funny. The uh, I, I think, I think they they the the humor struggles a little bit when 
the movie is better. Yeah. Like, like they famously did uh, Godzilla 98 a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not a good movie. I wouldn't say it's a good movie. It's not a, it's not just a terrible movie. Well, yeah. And well, and I think that the, the difference is there's, I, I agree with that with one caveat, which is if the movie's just weird, they have, uh, they have some room because like Mothra, I don't think is a terrible, awful movie, but it's just ridiculous. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> fucking bizarre. Yeah. It's super weird and bizarre. So there's a lot to work with there. Um, this movie is just more kind of like, Oh, that's 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 weird, and then like that's that's about the the extent of the reaction, I think. Um, so I don't know. I, I just it's I think that they they have to dig a little deeper for jokes in the movies that aren't like inherently awful. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they also did Anaconda, which is not a good movie either, but it's again not a terrible movie, and uh, Starship Troopers a few years ago too. Um, yeah, you know, which Starship Troopers is a movie I actually kind of like a little bit. Uh, so it's it's a different sort of vibe. I mean, to each their own. But I, you know, I always prefer the weird B movies, yeah, as opposed to the bad A movies. It, even even still, I I still love their their riffs on the Twilight movies and uh, Batman and Robin. Um, anyway, so uh, they have another show uh, coming up on December first. It's an encore screening. Uh, of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians plus Christmas Short Stravaganza. That's going to be a long-ass show. Uh, but I, I've seen both of those. I saw both of those live. Uh, the Christmas Short Stravaganza is pretty fantastic. I think that's the first one I actually saw live, if I'm uh-huh. not mistaken. Because I missed the first... They did, like, Manos... Th- no, they did uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. But this one, Weird Al Yankovic stops by... Um, and uh, I think they're going to have some uh, extra new stuff peppered in. But uh, this is going to be on December 1st only. Uh, so no rebroadcast of this. You can get tickets by going to rifttracks.com slash live. Again, thanks to our friends at Fathom Events. they got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Are you going to go see Space Jam? I'm thinking about it. I really, huh? I kind of wanted, I kind of want to also. But uh, I, that's a movie that, that I respect because it's awful. But you probably yeah. you probably unironically that, like it. Well, that's because it's pure nostalgia for me. So it's I mean, like if we're talking like how nostalgic can a movie get, Space Jam is in my like top three or four probably. I do have a Bill Murray Toon Squad jersey though, and I hope you wear it to the screening. I'm going to if I do make it out to the screening. I believe it's on uh, the 13th and the 16th of this month. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I probably won't make the 13th, but uh, the 16th is doable. Is doable, so we'll see. If the world hasn't ended by then, so right, very possible with Our, Emperor Trump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else before we move on? Nah, no. All right, uh, hold on a second. Let's go ahead and all right. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. This week we have Doctor Strange. I spent my last dollar getting here. One way ticket, and you're talking to me about healing through belief. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole, and you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole, to see more, to know more, and now, on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine, you reject the possibility. No, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more. 
You're just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you! Pushed your astral form out of your physical form. Listen, that tea. Psilocybin, LSD. Just tea. With a little honey. A former neurosurgeon embarks on a journey of healing only to be drawn into the world of mystic arts. Cody? Yes. So, what'd you think of uh, Doctor Strange, the latest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So, I really, really like this movie. Um... It's, uh, it is a bit standard. Um, I know, uh, you know, one of the things that you like to say so far is that it is basically Iron Man with like magic. Yes. Um, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, I do think that Cumberbatch plays a really good, like asshole type character in the beginning where he's just arrogant. Um, I wish that there was a little bit more with the Rachel McAdams story, but, um, you know, once we get into the, the, the more mystical, weird side of things, um, I think this movie really takes off. And um, I think it's got a, tr- like a really tremendous cast. Um, in particular, I think Tilda Swinton is great in this movie, like all around. Um, and she's really been thriving lately with these really weird roles. Like if you look at her in Snowpiercer and, and, and in this movie, I think she's great. Um, which is I a role that was controversial because the the character is Asian, mm-hmm. and she's definitely not. No, no, she is not Asian. <laughs> um, but she, I thought she did a great job. Um, I think that Cumberbatch is good. Um, I think that the script is pretty good and interesting. Um, but the, the the main draw here are going to be the special effects and the visuals, which are insane. I mean, it is it is the weirdest like. There's a scene in the film where, which is the first time where Doctor Strange gets uh, goes astral and he kind of his spirit gets knocked out of his body. That was the clip we played. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so that scene in itself is incredible. And there's this weird thing that he goes through that is like the trippiest thing ever. Like, I mean, it's it's like it's like Kevin Feige like did a bunch of mushrooms and was like let's do this movie. Well, it's like where his uh, hands start growing, like his fingers start growing ha- fingers and yes. hands and yeah. Yes, and that scene is is really cool and um, just the visuals. It's it gets the very rare 3D endorsement. You know, did you see where, it in IMAX like, too? I did see it in IMAX. Yeah. yeah. I did too. If you can see this movie in IMAX 3D, do it. And if you can't, just see it in 3D because I think the visuals are going to blow your mind a bit. And one of the interesting things about this movie is that this is a movie that could have never come out until now because the technology, the special effects hadn't hadn't gone uh, to that level. And I think this may be the best usage of special effects other than maybe Guardians um, that Marvel has used thus far because it's, it's not only um, – really good about like just special effects period, but with perspective changes and watching buildings go on their side and watching people, you know, float or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I, I really think that this film 
um, really takes advantage of some really amazing, trippy, awesome visuals. And I have to say, it's a for me personally, it's a big swing for Marvel. Um, I, I I think that it's it, the most self-contained movie that Marvel has done thus far, where as where it's like you don't really see its connection to the franchise as much. Um, and it is a little, of course, all these movies are setups in some way, but I feel like it's the most self-contained and the least one that feels like a Marvel movie. It, it really feels like this, this adventure sci-fi kind of weird thing that sits on its own. Um, and I think that it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's got a lot of really great action stuff. The story lacks a little bit and may have the resolution may not be the best thing in the world but you know just watching the manipulation of time and, and watching you know weapons being conjured by this person and i just think it's a really cool movie all around yeah I, i'm gonna dis i mean i you know i disagree with you a little bit on on the fact that that i don't feel like we needed i, I feel like at some point Marvel really needs to trust us that we don't need to hit all these beats every single time they introduce somebody new um, and I think something like Guardians of the Galaxy is a good thing to point to as an example that didn't really need that. Like, we didn't need everybody's introduction. Like, we got, like, just the barest stuff on, on Star-Lord, on his character. You know, he's his dad dies, and or no, his, uh, his mom dies, and then his, he's taken by a ship, and then, you know, it's, bam, 30 years later, or whatever. But I don't think the origin stuff on Doctor Strange... I mean, are, are you talking about... Like pre getting the the cape or whatever. Yes. Or, yes. Okay. I think that stuff we could have done way without. I think this movie could have opened with him on his quest to get his hands back or something. I, I don't think we needed the you know we don't need another retread of the arrogant asshole who gets his comeuppance. You know, um, I, I just feel like that's that was padding. I feel like this movie could have been. You know, there could have been more stuff packed into it had the, it realized we didn't need – we don't need to see like, oh, yeah, he's an arrogant asshole who's going to get in a car accident and, you know, all of a sudden need help and then push people away. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't – you know, the stuff with uh, – the stuff in the, uh, Nepal yeah. I, I think is I think is okay, but I think it gets rushed through a little bit. It, um, it does, but one one quick thing I want to say though is that I I do think that the thing that Doctor Strange did a little bit differently was making him into a reluctant hero, um, in the sense that he was doing this for selfish reasons and had to you know needed to be convinced to do things for the greater good of humanity or whatever it is. Versus, I think in a lot of the other ones they want to be that person. I like that Doctor Strange in this movie is a little as a reluctant, a selfish, reluctant hero. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't think he was selfish. I just think he was reluctant. I never saw the selfishness once he got, you know, into the, the whatever. Well, but but, but the whole reason that he was learning that was so that he could gain the use of his hands back through. Right. Magic, right. right. But I, I mean, I don't. There was never unless he was, unless he was trying to get with the ladies. You know, he he needed it to be a surgeon. You know. <laughs> well, I, I just don't. I just don't think that. Uh, I, I. I feel like this movie tread a lot of ground that's already been well tread in the Marvel universe, and I think at this point, like I said, this is the fourteenth film in the series, and 
and I think Marvel's assumed that we've seen damn near all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it some shorthand is in order. You know, I think some some you know faith in the audience is in order. You know that we don't need to see every beat. You know, we don't need to see every every single reason why something happened. You know, just like just like Spider Man. I hope to God this fucking next Spider Man movie, Spider Man Homecoming. Like, I don't need to see anything else. I don't need a flashback of him getting, you know, how no, he got I his powers. No, I Uncle Ben dying a third time. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I think that 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 that's, that's a mistake this movie makes. And I think, I think I mentioned this in my review, and I'm probably talking to you too. I think it really comes alive once the cape shows up. I think that's the moment it turns for me, is once he's in that room and he gets the cape that kind of yeah. is reminiscent of the carpet from Aladdin, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where, that's where we actually get to see some decent villain work from Mads Mikkelsen. You know, I think that for me, Marvel movies typically have terrible villains who I, I just don't work. I thought Mads Mikkelsen was pretty good in this, um, especially, I mean, I got to laugh every time the Mr. Doctor thing made me laugh every time, but cause he played it with such seriousness. Yeah, that it, no, that was funny. But, uh, um, I think, I think from then on, it's pretty fun, mm-hmm. you know, um, excuse me. I don't think that the, the climax is a little, uh, is a little, kooky out there and i think that's great like it's the way it's yeah. the way it kind of plays with time and and it's a resolution uh and i've seen a few other reviews mention this it's a at least it's not the big swirling hole in the sky right you know which is a such a such a, a an overdone motif in these superhero movies you know and fucking suicide squad had it none of those people even had fucking superpowers except for like two of them but uh I I think that uh, you know the resolution. I think is you you talk about it being the most self-contained. I don't know about that. I mean, I guess in that they don't reference anybody else hardly. I mean, they talk. They mention the Avengers. You know, no one shows up until a post-credit sequence. But I, I don't know that it feels self-contained. And I don't think it. I don't think it would feel right if it was self-contained. You know, I don't think it would feel like. I I think it needed, frankly, to lean a little more on the fact that they're in this new world now where there are superheroes and there are gods. Because mm-hmm. I think his transition from, like, man of science to guy that can swirl magic out of the air is a little abrupt. Uh, you know, and I think that maybe that could have been fleshed out a little more had we not had to see fucking half an hour of him, in, you know, as a rich prick doctor in a Lamborghini. Yeah. You know crashing uh, and what did what did you feel i know i harped a lot on the on the visuals and stuff like that i mean like stuff like 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 some of the best scenes in the movie like the the scene in the hospital where he goes astral um oh that that fight that there's a that fight in the astral plane i think that's fantastic i, I think yeah. the visuals are great and i loved that fight scene as uh you know rachel mcadams is working on his physical body yeah that's a and great a that's the best scene in the movie yeah no i totally agree and i think the visuals are I think some of them are a little self-indulgent. Like, I don't really understand what's going on. Like, why are you doing this in the middle of a fight? You know, why are you creating these like geometric, uh, you know, fractals? Yeah. Just to, just to make a guy trip. Like what? But <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're twisting buildings. So a guy falls down. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're outstanding. I think those visuals are, are really mind bending. Um, you know, but I'm like, not legitimately. So where it's like, I don't, I don't think that 
I, I mean, I truly think that some of the visuals in this movie are things that haven't been done before. Uh, I don't know about that. So, I, I mean, like you see that you see like the, 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 um, like an inception where you have the buildings curving or whatever like that, but seeing it in 3d, I think gives it a whole, um, different look. Well, true. I mean, there, I, I don't, I think that, I think that the stuff that you liked so much about his first astral projection, you know, when, when, the the Tilda Swinton's character pushes him out of his body, essentially. Yeah. I think that's a little corny. Like it's trippy, but it's a little corny. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, you can pretty much see Cumberbatch hanging from a harness in front of a green screen doing it. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's too terribly mind blowing, but you know, the battle at the end with the cities, uh, you know, New York city folding in on itself and all these different planes and, and things happening, I think is, is pretty outstanding. I don't know that it's, um, you know, I don't know that I think it's just a different use of stuff we've seen before. You know, right, that's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that then. Yeah, I, I think I, that I think that's a huge reason to see the movie is the special. Yeah, movies. I mean, I think it's a manipulation of of three D and perspective and that kind of thing and special effects that, that that has not quite been done in that manner before. And I think you know, just for visuals alone, I think it's well worth seeing. But I, I like the movie as a whole, even disregarding that. All right, what's your grade for Doctor Strange? So for me, this is actually top. I, th- I was telling you, I think probably top five to seven Marvel form um, for me. You know, I think we were talking about how at least we agree that the the unassailable ones are Avengers, um, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then for you, Winter Soldier. For me, not so much. But um, but then after that, I think this movie's right right in there. I like it better than the Thor movies. It's better than Ant Man. Um, uh, so uh, I, I give this a B. Yeah, I'm the same with I got this. You liked it more than me, but I'm giving you the same, giving it the same grade. I'm giving it a B. I dwelled on giving it a B minus, but I think it ends up entertaining enough. I don't know that I really 100% like Cumberbatch in it. I mean, he's fine, but I feel like there might have been somebody better. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I feel like there might have been somebody better. I think there's a lot of people getting hung up on his American accent. Um, and I think, I think people are a little confused by that. I don't know. I, I, I thought he was fine. I thought, I thought he served his purpose. Did you like, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg's extended cameo as <laughs> like a put upon doctor? Like I wanted him to do more. I love Michael I Stuhlbarg. did too. I always want that guy to do more and everything. Um, a pretty good, uh, also an interesting, uh, turn if people know the, um, if people know the history of, of the comics, there's a really different interpretation um, of what I think the character's name is Mondu or Mordo. Mordo. <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor? From, from Chiwetel Ejiofor. That's, that's, I think, a really interesting turn for fans of the comics um, that they'll see in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't really know what was happening. Like, stick, stick around till the end. Um, yeah. Uh, I think you were getting that name confused with Yondu, by the way, from That's the Galaxy, yeah, sure. Michael yeah. Rooker. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, see it in 3D. See it in IMAX if you can. I, I'm not a big fan of this the the new version of IMAX, but you mean IMAX? Yes, I do mean IMAX. Uh, they, they told us before the screening, and I, I don't think anybody would have noticed it had they not mentioned it. 
their the rep studio rep was like, now the bottom of the screen isn't going to be filled except for sometimes, so don't think you're getting cheated. I'm like, what? Because you know how it shifts like aspect ratios when it goes to IMAX. Yes. Um, God, but, I remember the first time I saw it, like the Dark Knight. I remember seeing that there. The aspect ratio is constantly changing in that movie. It's. I remember seeing the Dark Knight Rises like that, and I hated it. I hated I, that yeah. changing aspect ratio. I don't care, frankly. Because like one of the things that that like the Dark Knight would do was it would just have like a ten second establishing shot in IMAX and then go back to regular. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, yeah. Well, and we you saw the Dark Knight Rises with me right at the that one IMAX theater where the sound was terrible. Yes, that was at River Center. River yeah. Center, that's right. Mm. That was a nightmare. Man, that was, that was awful. Yeah. And that was – everyone couldn't figure out if it was the mix or if it was um, – because, you know, obviously, you know, back back when that came out, you know, Christopher Nolan had to redo Bane's voice because nobody could understand it. Right. And then remember uh, Interstellar had a weird mix that he approved that sounded like yeah. crap. Yeah, we, we everyone was kind of wondering if uh, if Interstellar was purposely done that way, and it was. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, so that's going to do it for this week. Next week, are you seeing Arrival? I am seeing Arrival tomorrow, yeah. I'm seeing Arrival tomorrow, too. A few of uh, few of pe- few people we know have actually already seen it. It uh, premiered at Fantastic Fest, but I didn't get to make that screening. It's uh, uh, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that is festival buzz, though. You understand It that. is. But, you know, what, what I'm really hoping here is that this is Dennis Villanueva's, like, the first time that he fully puts it together. Because I think that he's, like, he's been so close on so many movies. Um, but there's always just something missing for me. Like, for me, I wasn't, I okay, look, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Sicario. But I love, I, I really, really like Prisoners. And, but it just, like, wasn't quite there. Yeah, um, see, my my problem with Sicario was it felt super real until the very end, until mm-hmm. all of a sudden Benicio del Toro's character turned into an action movie character. Right, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that this is Villanueva's like first um first time that he gets it completely right, um because I think he's a super talented guy, um but uh, yeah, we'll see. It did. Um, I know that. Uh, did Roger Deakins shoot this one? I don't think he did, right? Because uh, he, he shot his last two. Yeah, I, I don't know. Let me look up the... Uh... No, Bradford Young did. Bradford okay. Young is a good cinematographer, too. I, I I think fucking Doug Benson might have spoiled into this movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the poor guy, you can't blame him. He, he doesn't know what he's doing half the time. Because I went to uh, Fantastic Fest. Uh, they had a Meltdown show. Um, that I caught the very end of uh, with Jonah Ray and Kumail Nanjiani, and they brought Doug Benson out like they did last year. And he was the one person at the festival that I heard wasn't so big on Arrival. Because um, if people don't know, Fantastic Fest is a very insular festival. Um, it's It's also a huge sausage fest, but that's another, that's for another time. But, uh, Everybody there is a genre fan, and the stuff that comes out of there tends to get fantastic reviews, even even more so than a normal festival. Because like the festival buzz is is heavy on a lot of films. You know, it's like uh, what's a recent example uh, of a uh, festival movie that oh, had a lot of buzz? Oh that... yeah, like uh, Birth of a Nation, for example. 
um, mm-hmm. was at Sundance and got fantastic buzz and then came out and kind of petered away. You know, no one really cared about it. I didn't care for the movie. Um, so the fantastic fest I think is a different beast altogether because it's a lot of genre stuff. And, you know, you get people raving about stuff that's, that frankly, most people will be revolted by. Um, however, this is probably pretty mainstream, but you know, like you said, it's got a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes. And like I said, I think Doug Benson may have spoiled it for me. Um, well, that's, that's a shame. Yeah. Cause he said, and, and for everybody else that was in the audience that night watching that show, but uh, anyway, uh, that's next week. And then the week after that, we've got uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, which they are not screening here. Really? Yep. Oh, we had oh, a conversation of that. Warner Brothers. Yep. Warner Brothers, why don't you screen in San Antonio? Like, we had it. We thought we had it solved. And we got a screen. Hello? You cut out. So we don't we don't get it. You cut out for a second. You said you thought. Oh, you had I said it, that we thought, thought you had we it solved. The Warner Brothers. Yeah, and then they screened Sully, and then nothing since. I can't believe they're not screening Fantastic Beasts. That's crazy to me. That's a huge movie. Yep. Anyway, I'm looking forward. I'm trying to. Uh, I don't know if you saw my Facebook page. I'm trying to rewatch the Harry Potter series in anticipation for this. Have you have you, have you seen all those movies? Um, I've seen all but maybe one. Um, my friend wanted to see the last movie and she essentially talked me into marathoning all of them in the course of one day. Oh Lord. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, um, wait, you can't even pop. How can you do that? I think I had started the night before, okay. but I mean, I had already seen Sorcerer's Stone, so I didn't need to be watched that one. Um, but yeah. And so I think I skipped like Goblet of Fire or something. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the ones in the middle of pack there where she's like, you know what? Not a lot goes on in this one. So I'm like, cool. I'll skip it. Probably, probably um, order the Phoenix. Not a lot goes on in that one. Yeah, that might've been it. So I really like the last two movies. The rest, I just don't care. I love the last one. And I love the third one. Um, the first part of the last one annoys the shit out of me because I fucking hate that trend. And I hope it's dead. The uh, splitting the last book into yeah. two movies god was, i fucking um, hate that shit was the third one was the one that alfonso cuaron directed right yes and um i was I, I finished the first movie already and i was about halfway through the second one the second one the extended cut that i have is like almost three hours long and that's too fucking long <laughs> but uh it's i remember the third one being like when it really finally all came together like what it needed to be. Cause the first two are directed well, by Chris Columbus. Well, and they're super, at least the first one is super kitty. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it reminds me sort of how, how like the Hobbit was like a bunch of elves who were like singing and dancing and farting. And like, I just, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like how I felt about, um, the first Harry Potter movie. The second one, um, I was, I remembered it as being the worst. Uh, and I haven't seen it in probably 10 years and I'm rewatching it now and it's not as bad as I remember. It's definitely, you can see that they tried a little harder and it's a little more dynamic looking and it's a little less kitty. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, once Alfonso Cuaron comes in in the third one, I think it really all kind of finally clicks. Yeah. Um, I think like the fifth movie and the sixth movie are okay. 
but they kind of feel like placeholders to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, no fantastic beast for us, but we do get some things that I'll have to tell you about off oh, call. Ooh, ooh. Is it a, I bet it's a porno. Yes. It's, it's porno. It's, it's hard, like hardcore porno. It's, uh, the fantastic beast with two backs. <laughs> that was weak. <laughs> All right. If you want to reach us, you can uh, email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook, Cinesnob Critic. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I have one more thing. Uh, screening, right? Yeah. So we've announced our next Cinema on Tap movie. Last time we showed what we do in the shadows. We had a really great turnout. We actually doubled our turnout from the first time around. Um, so this time around, we're going to show um, one of my personal favorite Coen Brothers movies, Inside Lewin Davis. Um, yeah. We're going to show that on uh, Thursday, November 17th. We're going to change locations and be a Big Hops Hebner. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love this movie. I'm super excited to show it. I know you do. Um, do you, uh, you don't have a print from this, do you? I don't because there hasn't been a good one that's been made. Okay. There was one that came out during the Oscar season, and I, I didn't really like it. Hmm. Sorry. But yeah. Mm. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry you don't like Lewin Davis. Uh, yeah, this is uh, – It's a. I really like this movie. Was this the most recent Coen Brothers movie? No, Hail Caesar was. Hail Caesar. That's right. Forgot about that one. There's a print for yeah, that one too. Huh? So did, so did the rest of us. Well, it came out in like February or something stupid, right? Yeah. Anyway. That movie – not good. Yeah, so uh, uh, Big Hops Hebner, right? Mm-hmm. Where's that at on Hebner? Um, it's right. It's right behind Freebirds. Oh man, I haven't. Oh, I love that. So you know how you know how have you been on the patio at Freebirds out there? Yes. It's like this giant open space back there. Yeah, that's where we're showing it. Okay, there used to be a Fat Burger there. Yeah, the Fat Burger's closed, and it's actually right next door to where the Fat Burger used to be is where Big Hops is. I miss that Fat Burger. But I guess no one went there but me, probably, so. Right. There's still one left, right? In San Antonio, no. Really? There's not the one that's off of 410 and, um... Oh, man. I can't remember the, answer, the street. The answer's no. Okay. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, anything else before we go? Um... No, I don't think so. Trump uh, 2016? Trump 2016. Trump 2016. Uh, he's going to make America great. Yes, there is one left. It's on Vance Jackson. Oh, there, no. That's there's no Fat Burger in San okay, Antonio. That's, that's Fat Boy. Sorry. Oh, man. I'm going to fucking punch you. <laughs> anyway, Trump 2016. Trump 2016. <laughs> make, make America great again. I tried to eat a triple at uh, a Fat Burger in uh, Studio City in L.A. Yeah. Because I wanted my picture on the wall. Yeah. And I almost killed myself doing it. Oh, I went to uh, – I, th- I think I told you this story. I went to the block, um, and I ate at Crazy Carl's, this food truck out there that's really good. And I ordered a double initially. And even that, I was like, shit, I probably shouldn't get a double, but I'll get a double. And the guy forgot my order. And so he's like, hey, I forgot about your order, but I'll make it up to you. I'll give you a triple. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I got a triple, and I ate the triple, and I was – in bad shape. Well, because it was like if you get your if you finish the triple at this fat burger, that's like right across uh, the highway from where Universal Studios and Burbank and all that shit is. Uh, you can take a shitty Polaroid picture of you and staple it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow! And, and I want I wanted that so bad. 
Uh, but uh, I couldn't hack it, and I felt like a failure. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Still, either way, I think the result would have been the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, on that note, I'm Jerry Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.